When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of the critically acclaimed book, Fall of the Boston Celtics, which you can still download for free by logging on to www.clnsradio.com slash book. Welcome on in to another edition of Celtics Beat being brought to you today by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com and Audible. Audible is the leading source of audiobooks online with over 180,000 downloadable titles to choose from. And because of your listenership, Audible is offering your first audiobook on them by simply logging on to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Hello again, Larry H. Russell with another episode of Celtics Beat being brought to you today by Linda and Audible, lynda.com slash CLNS for a free 10-day trial of online video tutorials and audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics to claim your first audiobook for free on us here at Celtics Beat and CLNS Radio. Last show of July as today, July 26, 2015. Next week, we'll be turning the page to August. August, I used to hate that month, especially growing up. Felt like school was right around the corner, of course. That was always the case. Nothing was more maddening. I remember being down at our house in Brewster down the Cape when I was a young kid, and I'd stay up, I'd watch the old Baseball Tonight trade deadline specials, and every commercial break would feature one back-to-school commercial after another. It made me sick. Even though school was at least four to five weeks away, there was always a big black cloud hanging over my head in August. Every year, the weather was always great. It'd cool off, less humidity, great beach days, but I could never enjoy it like I should have back then because of that mental block that I had with a treacherous return to school. But now I definitely do not look at it that way. I love the fall here in New England. Summer, the first half, as it always does, blazed by and did so in NBA contexts as well. The draft, the lead up to it, that's now well over a month old. The height of free agency, back at the beginning of the month, that's in the books. And now even the time frame of adding some of the finishing touches to the roster, it looks as if that is all set right now. August, it's a big getaway month here in the cities in New England, here in Boston. Everyone goes down to the Cape, the Vineyard, Nantucket, Maine. Wonder if members of the Celtics brass are stepping out of the city as well. I actually know one within the Celtics organization is doing so. Mark D'Amico, team reporter for the Celtics and Celtics.com. He's using his valuable leisure time and vacation time to spend time with us here on Celtics Beat. 
What will we discuss? Oh, geez, Summer League. Uh, seriously, we will. I've actually kept Summer League discussion to a minimum on this show, largely because I haven't tuned into it as I have done so in years past. I was actually an avid follower of Summer League, particularly when it was here in Boston. Damn you, Democratic National Convention coming here in 2004, kicking that out of here. Moving it out of here for good. But yeah, I used to love the Summer League out UMass Boston. I followed the players. Of course, we remember the infamous 2001 draft, the three Celtics first rounders. LeBron playing here as well, I think the summer of 2003. I have lost interest in it, particularly if you really want to watch it. You really got to be pretty avid about it. But I should discuss it. It is very relevant to what's going on with the Celtics. Celtics as a unit did well in Las Vegas with some impressive performances from all people. Terry Rozier, but what about Marcus Smart? Was he at all disappointing before his injury? He shot just 26% from the field, I believe, out there in Vegas. We'll talk to Mark about what he saw out there, along with other particulars. And yes, of course, the roster situation, which was the primary theme of last week's show and what I discussed amongst many of our listeners throughout the week. I thought I could not make my case any more clear last week. I caught a little grief for it, particularly from some of our listeners over on the Facebook group and the Facebook page. Again, facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. We have got some great, great responses, retorts, opposing arguments. I want to get to these, particularly some of the comments left by those who take the time to listen to the show as well as interact with myself and other listeners on the show, be it on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever. So I'll get to that, I promise. And also, once again, forgive me if I was unable to respond to some of you via social media. I did have a busy week personally. I tried the best I could. And if I have not responded, by all means, please reach out again via Facebook, email, Twitter, wherever, at CLNS underscore LHR is my personal Twitter account, at Celtics underscore Beat is the Celtics Beat Twitter account, wherever. I promise I will acknowledge any of your inklings, and I'll also get into more detail as well on some of the things I discussed on last week's show a little later in this broadcast. But right now, guess what? We actually have Mark D'Amico of Celtics.com here right now. Our interview with Mark is brought to you by DraftKings. Baseball's in full swing, and you can be a part of all the action all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to get paid when you can win huge prizes every day? At DraftKings, it's a brand new season every time you play. Just pick two pitchers, eight position players, and pick up your cash. That's it. Ask Peter from Colorado. Last year, he won a million bucks in one day simply playing fantasy baseball at DraftKings. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. So, new contests start daily. Hurry to DraftKings.com right now and use promo code NEWENGLAND to play for free in today's $10,000 fantasy baseball contest. DraftKings.com, official partner of Major League Baseball. Enter New England for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com, that's DraftKings.com. Okay, Mark, so pretty much got to give you the floor. This is sort of what I do with my guests now. I sort of ask the most general question to start off the interview, so I'm going to do so with you. I'm really just going to ask you, just give me your general impressions of the Celtics offseason that took place here in July. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, first of all, you got to give a little bit of credit to Danny Ainge because I, th- I think what happened is, you know, a lot of people thought the Celtics were going to go after all those big names, you know, Marcus Aldridge, uh, Kevin Love, all those guys that were free and on the free agent market. But I think Danny Ainge realized from the very beginning and he did his homework behind the scenes to realize that those guys weren't necessarily attainable, at least to come 
joined the Boston Celtics. So I think what he did is he switched gears and he said, okay, now who are the guys that I can get? Who are the guys that can come in and help? Who are the guys that I can bring back that we want in this program? I think that's exactly what he did. You know, Jarebko's coming back. Crowder's coming back. Amir Johnson comes in. There's potential trades that could happen in the future to strengthen this team. And obviously he kept all four draft picks, and hopefully, as we saw during Summer League, three of those guys should be able to hopefully contribute and help this team this season. So I think, you know, all things considered, you know, a lot of people are going to be upset that he didn't hit the home run that a lot of people thought that he would be able to do this offseason. But at the same time, he brought in some talent, and at the same time, he continued to maintain his flexibility. He's got all those options that he had on the table heading into this offseason and during last season that he can still capitalize on moving forward. But where do you sort of come down on the fact that, first off, I think a lot of us do hope that the team improves upon mm-hmm. last year regardless because that's it is a young team and you want to yep. see that out of a young team regardless. Where do you sort of come down on where the roster stands in terms of being able to have the potential to improve this coming season? I mean, it's great that this team has, you know, all the, you know, flexibility assets. We what do we want to, those famous words that we describe, mm-hmm. we want to call it. But you still would like to see the, you know, franchise make a step in the right direction because that would mean, you know, greater value for individual talents on the team. Do you think the roster is capable of making a leap to say a 45 win, you know, threshold next year? Yeah, th- there's no doubt about it. I th- I think um, every year that you move forward with a young crop of players and you add to that young crop of players with other guys that you drafted this season, those players are all going to get better incrementally every single season, especially with this coaching staff. You've seen that these guys, Brad Stevens, Jay Laranega, all these guys on this staff, they bring the best out of their players. So every year that these players are in that system, I'd be shocked if they don't improve. I mean, Jared Solinger's gotten better every single season. Marcus Smart's going to continue to get better. All these guys, I expect James Young to get better. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that he's going to make a major contribution this season, but he's going to be better than he was last season. So every season that you move forward with those young players, they're going to get better. And as a result, the team is going to get better, especially when you add in some talent around those young guys to help improve the team. Yeah, you mentioned some of the young players, be it you know Young and say Marcus Smart. I know you were out in Las Vegas for the summer league. I do want to get to that because I really haven't discussed about the summer league on the show. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel about the roster? There have been complaints about the roster, you know, the con- a congested roster, myself included. I'm pretty much I sort of led the charge, and I mentioned sort of like the Perry Drones trade, which occurred like about a week ago now. Are you okay with this roster? You think this could bring possible competition within the roster, and that could be a good thing, or are you a little weary with how the roster situation stands? Well, I think competition is always a good thing. I mean, I don't think there's a coach out there that would say, "Oh, I want to go into camp with my top seven guys," you know, clear cut. You know, everybody wants competition because that creates a better environment during practices and makes the team better. You know, the Celtics back in 2008 when they won the championship. Everyone knew who their best players were, but the environment during practice is what made that team so good, and it's because it was so competitive. I'm not saying that the team's going to be like that this year, but competition is a good thing. And then, um, you know, I I do think that this team is going to be solid. Uh, I I think that the team is going to improve, and I do think that flexibility and, uh, you know, being able to play multiple positions is very important in the Brad Stevens system, and I think that the majority of this team is able to do that. I mean, everyone that was brought back, you got Jarebko and Crowder, both of those guys, that's why they were brought back. They can play multiple multiple positions on offense and defense, 
I think that's very important to Brad Stevens. And same thing with some of these young guys coming in. I think you're going to see Rozier play multiple positions as well. Um, some of the other guys that are bringing, being brought in through free agency or, and or trade, I think they're all going to play multiple positions. So I think that's where the NBA is going. We saw it with the, the Warriors this past season when they won the title. Everyone could play multiple positions. And, you know, that's just a movement where the NBA is going. And I think the team is set up to be able to, to play that type of basketball this coming season. I have to go back to your comments you made on the 2008 Celtics. It's interesting how you, you know, mentioned the environment that they had in practices and in the pre-camps, be it over in Italy. And sure enough, the Celtics team is going to be doing some traveling before the season. But that team actually really did not have a set rotation. I remember Tony Allen coming off the bench in the fifth game of that final series against L.A., and I was I was utterly horrified that he was coming into the game because <laughs> he hadn't played like in it seemed like eons, and he yeah. was coming in for crucial minutes of the finals. That's sort of like the one example that you could have about a roster having twelve guys going twelve deep, and no one really having a set role. Of course, outside of Pierce, Garnett, Ray Allen, because I mean even Rajon Rondo was on and off the bench. He'd sit at the end of games and whatnot during that season. So I think that's sort of like the one good example. But then I, I go back to last year, and I really felt like that team came together when some of those pieces were sort of shipped out. We don't have to name any names. And there were guys here who kind of carved out roles for themselves quickly. And I thought that's when that team really started to play well because that's when they started to play together, I thought. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Um but at the same time, I, as, as, you know, if I'm running the Celtics, if I'm Danny Ainge, I want the most talent that I can possibly have on the team. And that's, that's going 1 through 15. If, if the 15th guy can play, that's great. That's great. That's a great problem to have on any single night. You never know what injuries are going to come up. You never know what's going to happen during practice. You never know, you know if someone's going to you know, do something where they need to be disciplined. You never know. So the more talent, in my opinion, the better. And the more competition, the better. And I think, you know, once things settle out, usually after the first, the training camp in the first month of the season, the coach is going to have a pretty, pretty good idea who's going to be in that rotation. He's, he's not going to play 12 every single night. He's going to play 8, 9, maybe 10 every single night. I think those guys are going to separate themselves within a month or so of the regular season starting if this is the team that does go into training camp. Yeah, see, I, 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 I'm afraid we're going to have to agree to disagree there. I'm just still very concerned because all it takes is one three-game losing streak, four-game losing streak, lose five out of seven. One player is sitting at the end of the bench who thinks that he should be playing and isn't playing, and all it takes is just one player to come out and start complaining in the paper. And, I mean, and there's just so many other factors as well. I, I think that it well, is better to have. I don't, I don't want to cut you off, but two things that i got to say. One, number one, if you're a title contender, that's one thing. This team isn't competing for a title. This team is competing for the playoffs. You know, and there aren't any veterans that are coming into this team that are guys that are known as complaining, guys that complain about playing time. David Lee, if he does wind up on the Boston Celtics, that guy is a great teammate. I mean, he's been a great teammate since the moment he came into the NBA with the New York Knicks. You've got Amir Johnson, great teammate. You've got Jarebko, great teammate. All of these guys are great people, and they've never complained about their playing time. Even Jarebko, when he was out in Detroit and he wasn't playing very much, he didn't complain. He just waited for his moment, and his moment arrived in Boston. So I don't think – I don't anticipate any of those issues arising with the Celtics this season just because of the people that they put into this program. I think they put 
the depth on the team with the character that's going to allow them to do that. And like I said, I do think that eight, nine, ten guys are going to separate themselves from the rest when all is said and done because there's a potential that you're going to have three rookies on this team, and there's not a guarantee that those guys are going to be in that everyday rotation. Well, to sort of finish that part of the conversation off, if it is around January 10th and there is some uneasiness on the team, feel free to think of me. But at the same time, <laughs> I will think of you if I am proven wrong. There you How go. About the expectations going into this season. They won 40 games last year and they finished the regular season. I don't even know what it was. They were like 10 games over 500 the, at some from some point in the season till the end. One of the better 20 teams. 2011, I yeah, think, something like that. One yeah. of the better teams in the Eastern Conference since February 2nd or something like yep. that. So even though there were some fans who were even slightly disappointed at the draft and the offseason and not signing the big names or whatever, the majority of the fan base, I'd say 80% of the fan base, thinks that they're going to win 40-some games, get mm-hmm. back into the playoffs again. And I would say that's still a, you know, a decent amount in terms of expectation-wise. Are you a little worried that if there is a possible letdown next season, be it the team is once again a 41-win team, which I would consider a success for this team, a 41-win team or less, they fall back out of the playoffs. Are you worried that those expectations could become an issue on, you know, going into this year? You know, it, it's hard to say. But the, the one thing that I love about the Celtics fan base and New England sports fan base in general is they get it. You know, they got it when this rebuild, when, when Danny Ainge hit the button and restarted this whole thing. They've gotten it the past couple seasons. I do feel that, you know, right now is a time where people are going to start to potentially get frustrated if the team isn't competing for titles over the next couple seasons. But I do think that in the back of everyone's mind, they get it. They, they get that this team doesn't have the super-duper star that you need to compete for a title. They get that this team plays its butts off every single night, and that's why they got into the playoffs last season. So, I, I, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, I do think that it's getting close to that time, though, where the fan base is going to say, okay, well, you know, it's been a couple years. When are we going to get to that upper echelon of the NBA? Um, but, you know, it's tough to say. The, the Eastern Conference is... is going to be pretty deep this season. I'm, I'm not saying deep in terms of title contenders, but deep in terms of teams that can compete for the playoffs. And, you know, you, you have a couple games go the wrong way last season, you're not in the playoffs. So it's not like it's going to be, you know, a walk in the park to try to get into the postseason this year. Winning 40 to 45 games, you hope that that's going to be uh, able to be done because, in my opinion, this team has upgraded its talent. <clears throat> Excuse me, upgraded its talent from last season. You're going to have Isaiah Thomas here for the entire season. He should be healthy by the time training camp rolls around. Hopefully you improve through the draft. So I do think the 40 to 45 wins is attainable, and I do think this team can get into the playoffs. But at the same time, you've got to look at a bunch of other teams in the Eastern Conference that have improved as well. The Miami Heat, I expect them to be in there. So you know, one team's got to go in, one team's got to go out. We'll, we'll figure that out at the end of the season. But I do think the Celtics will be there. You mentioned the mindset of the fans and how it is a pretty intelligent fan base and I would certainly agree with that I know that there are some aspects of the media that like to just take you know a big paintbrush out and start you know painting and throwing sort of slang terms regarding certain members of fans we're not going to discuss that because I just think it's just a silly way to Mm -hmm. you know sort of deflect arguments but the I would say as I mentioned the fan base is operating under assumptions that the team is going to take a leap next year and I am worried that even if the team wins like 40 games, still plays very hard. Last year, the fans really, you know, 
came to appreciate that team because they played hard. It was like, wow, look at this team play so hard. Now everyone's just going to assume that they play hard every single night. And if they do win like 40 to 42 games, play hard, it's still going to be like, eh, well, you know, I mean, we, that's what we expect of them now. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could see that happening. But it, but in the back of my mind, it's I think that this current crop that, that Danny Ainge has put together, this team just needs to kind of bide its time. Just get through potentially half the season, three quarters of this season, potentially through the whole season. And then I really do think within the next 18 months, Danny's going to be able to make that move on some level. He's got way too many assets, way too many contracts that a lot of other teams would like to have to not be able to make a big time move. Um, I, I, I really truly believe that he's going to be able to make it happen within the eight, next 18 months. I'm not guaranteeing that, but I think uh, you know he's he's had it in his mind that between this offseason that just happened and the next one to two, something big is going to happen, and and he set himself up to be able to do it. So that's why I think that this current group just kind of needs to bide its time, play hard, win games, potentially make the postseason, and bide its time until Danny can can strike when the iron's hot and get that big time player in here. Well, it could happen. Tomorrow, remember, it's it, today, it, today today is Sunday, July 26th, and usually the most majority offseason is over with, but if you remember back in 07, that Garnett trade was on the 31st of July and came out entirely out of nowhere, but yeah, you're right, it's, it's entirely predicated on the fact of who's going to be out there via trade, and you're right, the Celtics are in good position. I do say if you're going to talk about sort of, you know, biding time and winning games next year... Uh, you know, that's sort of the expectations that I have for next year, or not expectations, what I would like to see. And I am going to admit I am a fan, so I do hope that really the individuals improve next year. I think that is almost as important as the team improving, say, making a leap from 42 to 45 wins. Whoever thought we would be saying that about the Boston Celtics when it's always been about the collective, it's always been about the greater good. But I think there does, if we are going to talk about making that transformative trade for the Celtics, it has to come down to certain players on the roster making an individual move, which actually gets me to Summer League. I am going to sort of talk about individual players here, but you were out there in Las Vegas in the mm-hmm. blistering heat, I would assume, right? Is it July? It's, it's not cold. sort of Vegas time. You want Just to give like, me any summer league impressions that you got from out there? Yeah, well, you know, I liked what I saw. Um, I think a lot of people are going to look at Marcus Smart's shooting numbers and say, oh, well, he didn't do exactly, you know, what we hoped he would do. But if you watched him out there, I wrote a story that I put on Celtics.com. The reason or the way that you know that you're an NBA player is when you know that you shouldn't be in the summer league. And, and that's exactly what everyone at both Salt Lake City and Vegas thought when they were watching Marcus Smart play. He he looked like a player that was on another level from the rest of the guys. He played harder. He had more intensity. He was better off the dribble. He was good in the pick and roll. He did everything except shoot the ball lights out. And he did shoot the ball well in Salt Lake City. He just didn't shoot it well in Vegas. But I, I loved what I saw out of him. He looked like a guy that was ready to make that leap going into this coming season until obviously the injury happened, which you know, kind of knocked the Celtics out of that, uh, that title contention. But I liked what I saw out of him. James Young obviously got off to a pretty slow start, um, you know, got out with that injury to his groin and then finally came back. I did love what I saw out of him out of those last couple games. I think the last game that he played in was actually the most uh, aggressive that I've seen him at any point during his Celtics career. I'm talking practice sessions, scrimmages, preseason, you know, anytime that he got into a regular season game, 
he looked comfortable in that last game. So that's a step forward for him. And hopefully, I think with him, it's all between the ears. If he's confident, he's going to play well. If he's not confident, he's going to struggle. So hopefully he can figure that out. And then the rookies, I think, showcased quite a bit. Jordan Mickey really stood out. He was great at both ends of the court. It really looks like he's got a lot more offense than a lot of people thought. Rozier can walk in and play defense right off the bat, just like Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart when the Celtics drafted them. And then uh, R.J. Hunter, I mean, he, he started to really show his true colors toward the end of that, uh, that Vegas Summer League when he's scoring points, making plays off the dribble. And I think that's what a lot of people expect him to be able to do at the NBA level. I'm not quite sure that those rookies are going to contribute major minutes this season. A couple of them might see some time up in Maine, but I do think that they're solid prospects. And, you know, if all continues as it has in the past few seasons with the way that these young guys have developed under this coaching staff and up in Maine, I think those guys have bright futures. Yeah, I definitely like to talk a little bit about Rozier because he's going to be under a microscope larger because he was a selection that many fans and even media members just really didn't see coming. But I admit, I did not watch the Summer League. I mentioned in the opening of the show how I used to avidly follow the Summer League, particularly when it was here in Boston. And I sort of mm-hmm. mentioned that when it was, oh, when it was here in Boston, like it was, you know, a couple of years ago when it was over 10 years ago. Ten. Now, where it's, been, it's been long gone. Um, but I did look at the numbers, and I did see the Marcus Smart shooting numbers, and it was like 26%. And yeah. you're telling me just you're, you're, you're pretty, being pretty adamant about it that he was exceptional out there in Vegas. He was a standout. There's, there's no doubt about that. There's, he was a standout, and also you got to remember he was taking days off, so it's not like he was staying in the same groove the whole time. This team wasn't really practicing while it was in Vegas because it had already been going for a couple weeks straight. But if you really want to look at the true numbers, look at his first game or two in Vegas and then all of his uh, Salt Lake City games. He played great in Salt Lake City, shot the ball lights out uh, from what I can remember. Uh, but but every pretty much every media member there, and, and NBA uh, executives, they were all looking at Marcus Smart and thinking in their heads, this guy does not belong here. He belongs watching on the sideline with Damian Lillard sitting on, sitting on the Trailblazers bench, um, you know, Amir Johnson sitting on the Celtics bench. These guys are veterans. They're established in the NBA, and I think that's exactly where Marcus Smart's going to be a couple years down the line. He's ready to make a leap. I'm not going to say he's going to be an all-star or you know, a 15, 20-point-per-game scorer, but he is going to make a leap. He's going to be better this coming season than he will last season. I'll guarantee that. And Terry Rozier, if you would like to sort of add, add any more detail, what you said about him. You know, yeah, well, yeah I, I think, like I said, he can walk in and play defense from day one. He, he's a great defender. He's On offense, he's got a solid burst. I think what he's got to figure out is, is, is he a point guard or is he a shooting guard? Or is he going to be that type of combo guard that you know the NBA is starting to get used to? Um, I think... He's got to learn to play a little bit in the pick and roll. I do think he does need to learn how to finish a little bit around the basket. Um, his offensive game is a little bit raw. There's no doubt about that. You know, at Louisville, he could put up 17 points per game simply because of his athleticism and his burst, which is elite. I mean, he's got a great first step, a great burst off the dribble, but he's really got to refine those little things like his pick and roll game, his jumper, and his ability to finish. Um, but not many players come into the NBA able to do all of those things. Those guys are top five picks. This guy was chosen in the middle of the first round, uh, and I think the Celtics are going to be patient with him. He's not going to be a star right now. I think the Celtics think he might be able to get to that level in the future, but it's going to take time. People have to be patient with Terry Rozier. This isn't a guy who's going to walk in and from day one be 
uh, a lottery pick type talent because that's not where he was chosen. They've got to be patient with him, let him develop. That's why the Celtics picked him. They think that he's got the work ethic. They think that, that he's got the personality. And they think that he's got the talent to be able to eventually turn into the player that a lot of people said, oh, you know, maybe this guy could have been a, a lottery pick last season before he went into this past season at Louisville. Well, they think that, they, that he can get up to that level, and I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, I mentioned how earlier he, he, I think he's largely under that microscope, not even because of where he was chosen. It was mainly because we talked about expectations going into the season. Well, there were huge expectations going into that draft. I mean, this, and I would argue with the Celtics created the expectations when they put on their official Twitter account a quote from Danny Ainge, how adamant about he was about trading up. So when you came, when you come out of that draft, and Rozier was essentially the if you highlight, if you want to call it that. That is creating expectations on him, whether they are fair or unfair. To deliver. It's almost bizarre that if he actually works out, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, he should have worked out. You know, he was a mid-first-round draft choice. <laughs> and if he if he flops, say if he comes another Fab Mellow, uh, you know, the, the I want to say the Danny Ainge gets crucified. But there's going to be some sort of, you know, you know, water balloons for being thrown his way all over all over Terry Rozier. Yeah, and that's understandable. Um, but at the same time, people got to understand the Celtics didn't choose him at 17 because they thought that he was going to be there at 33 or 28, right? They chose him at 17 because they knew he was going to be gone. There were multiple other teams that were going to choose this guy. He was high on a lot of people's draft board, and he was high on the Celtics draft board since the season started. So they're high on him. I think a lot of people just got to be patient with him. Look, he's the 17th pick every single year doesn't walk in the door and start playing basketball in the NBA and playing at a high level. That just doesn't happen. Lottery picks do that. People need to have patience because this guy was not a lottery pick. He was chosen 17th over, overall, and I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to be able to actually show why the Celtics invested that pick in him. All right. I'm not going to ask you predictions about the upcoming season, whether they're going to win 45, 40, blah, 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 blah. But the schedule is coming out in two weeks or I think a week and a half or whatever it is. It's coming out soon. And, you know, now all of a sudden, for whatever reason, be it the NFL and I guess the NBA, the schedule being released is, you know, an event in itself. (laughs) Where will the Celtics be on Christmas Day? That is the question I will ask you. I think they'll be watching from home. I actually, if you're going to ask. Because, you know, look, like I, like I said earlier, the Celtics aren't competing for a title this year. And they don't have a superstar on the roster. And that's on Christmas Day, that's what the NBA wants to market. They want to market title contenders and superstars. The Celtics are not in either of those categories. So realistically, in my mind, I do not think that they'll be playing on Christmas Day. I hope I'm wrong because it's a great event. It showcases some of the best teams and talent. In the NBA, and if they think that the Celtics have that type of talent, great. Slot us in there. I'll work on Christmas Day. I'll, I'll try to get up some stories and some videos that everyone would like to see, but I'm not counting on it. I, I just don't think that they're in that category yet. It's five games, though. What's like what's so like nuts about Christmas Day is, I mean, this, well, you know, once you turn about, uh, I would like to say 20, but for me it was like 12. My parents <laughs> were a little cheaper than the other ones. Once you turn 12, Christmas Day almost becomes just like, 
a nuisance. Like, all the stores are closed, so it's like I need – I can't watch five games. I am not a degenerate gambler that will just sit there and just watch five <laughs> games straight through on Christmas Day. But I do have to admit, I, I do need this, like, some the Celtics entertainment aspect. Even though they're not a championship contender, it's like there's five games. It's ten teams. Yeah. I still feel like, you know, just there's enough Celtics fans to watch the Celtics on Christmas Day. If you want to th- throw them at noon, you know, what the heck? It yeah. Was nine I don't... o'clock for people on the West Coast. Not going to watch it anyways. Yeah, you know, but, you know, there's the teams like last season, the Lakers, you know, they're not contending, but they've got Kobe. You know, the, there's all of those teams out there that even the Trailblazers, they've, they're not contending, but they've got Damian Lillard. They've got a, a guy who's an upper echelon player. The Celtics just aren't there yet. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is the closest guy. And I don't think people across the country are going to tune in to watch Isaiah Thomas. I just don't think it's at that level yet. If the Celtics turn into a title contender and he's the second best player, now you're talking. Yeah, I just still I'm 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 reaching. I'm not gonna lie. I do need something. I'm already trying to line up for for me what is the most emptier days of my life, Sally. <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm admitting too much personally, but hey, it's it's always nice to have something tied in when you wake up on Christmas, right? You want to have your guys playing. I do. All right, Mark D'Amico, Celtics analyst and reporter for Celtics.com. Thanks so much for stopping by the show once again. Hey, no problem. Anytime. That's Mark D'Amico, and you can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark underscore D'Amico. We'll be back with Celtics Beat after a few words. Are you looking to lose weight, burn fat, pack on muscle, or just live a healthier life by sleeping better and worrying less? Well, aren't we all? Unfortunately, we've spent years quibbling over phony studies, fad diets, and dangerous prescription drugs that have prevented us from living our lives to the fullest and have done more harm than good. But thankfully, science has prevailed, and we now know that there is no other way in achieving optimal health than by consuming what nature has to offer us in its purest form possible. Hi, I'm Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and critically acclaimed author of Fall of the Boston Celtics. And let me tell you about Dr. Ron's Ultra Pure Nutritionals. Dr. Ron's supplements are 100% additive-free, and best of all, they work. Dr. Ron's supplements are my personal go-to for anything from post-workout recovery to achieve optimal gains, all the way to stress management. So if you're not getting the results you want from maddening forms of dieting and dealing with adverse side effects from other harmful drugs, remember one thing. As Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And let Dr. Ron's ultra-pure nutritionals be the remedy for you. Available only at www.drrons.com. Hey, this is Nick Gelso, co-owner and founder of CLNS Radio. Today's podcast is brought to you by lynda.com. lynda.com is the home of expert video tutorials. Because you're such a loyal listener of CLNS Radio, and it's 2015, you want to kick the new year off in style, claim your free trial today from CLNS by going to lynda.com slash CLNS. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash CLNS. All right. Thank you once again to our sponsors and thank you, Mark D'Amico of Celtics.com, lending us his valuable getaway time to the show and to our audience. Great chat, some good insight, particularly on the Summer League, especially to myself. As I must confess, I did so early on the show, 
I did not follow much of it. I did see Marcus Smart as in terms of a black and white numbers. I saw that 26% from the field in Vegas, which stood out like a sore thumb, I thought. And I know Mark said when he what he said about Marcus. And I know it's a little arrogant of myself to harp on his shooting numbers without myself watching the games, as I confess I did. I did not tune in while Mark was there in person. But I still see 26%, and I say 26% is 26%. I can understand 35 to 40. LeBron James shot like 35% or 38% in the NBA Finals, and we all know how dominant he was in that series. But when you hear that, it's like, yeah, I know he shot 26%, but everything else, dot, dot, dot. That, to me, is pretty much the equivalent of, of, oh, other than that, Mrs. Kennedy, how did you enjoy Dallas? But I turn to you. The audience, as we do on this show every single week, with our reached question of the day presented by Casper. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for brighter nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period, so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress, and you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. So, Celtics Beat audience, what's your reaction to the outputs of the Celtics young players? In the summer leagues, just head on over again to R-E-A-C-H-T app.com slash CLS or grab the link and feel free to contribute to the discussion over on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash Celtics beat. That's facebook.com slash Celtics beat. Because one of the things Mark mentioned, and we know it's not exactly groundbreaking, we hear it from every possible outlet every week is that the Celtics be it today, tomorrow, but more than likely sometime from now, the Boston Celtics are going to make a move or moves, a singular move where this all this is going to be worth it and they'll capitalize on some certain situation and make that leap as a team into the upper echelon of the league and hopefully a championship contender overnight, might I add. We say it so often now, we think about it so much that it's actually become boring and redundant in a way. It certainly will not be boring if and when it happens, and I can't wait because we'll be talking about it and dissecting it from every different angle on this show, and we'll certainly be reaping the benefits of it as observers and as fans. But, hey, I said week in and week out. Remain patient, all these moves, all these types of moves. There is a method to this method madness, even though I don't entirely agree with the process here, as I mentioned on last week's show, and I'm certainly going to get to it, and I discussed so with Mark. But we hope. Mark talked about how the organization and individuals are, in his words, biding time. For me personally, again, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with the mindset of what the team is trying to do. I certainly will argue till I am blue in the face and have done so on prior shows and with other interactions with fans, particularly those who think the only way to construct an NBA championship contender is to bottom out year after year after year and back-ass your way into star players and not worry about the consequences. Just do it the Philadelphia way, and we're just not going to go there. I always feel, and this is where I disagree with the organization as a whole, generally speaking, I guess forgive me, Boston Celtics, for generalizing your entire organization, but I'll operate under this presumption. I firmly believe that while it is important to accumulate talent, 
I strongly feel that constructing a team, constructing a team supersedes amassing talent, no matter what phase or what type of rebuilding phase your organization is in, and thus making the strides as a team next year in 2016. And I love to say that my thought process behind that is that I'm a fan, I'm a season ticket holder, above all other things, above all even you know hosting this show week in and week out. I am all of that over someone who covers this team. The Celtics actually matter to me, and thus I want to be entertained by them. I really do. I want to be amused. I don't want endless arrays of lousy basketball teams and being told, oh, this is the way. Because yes, as someone who has an emotional attachment to the team, myself, yes, I like to enjoy the present while acknowledging the future, too. I truly and firmly believe that slowly and methodically building an, on an entire operation, not just, you know, throwing together a team, but building on an entire operation, if you will, is a far more efficient way to getting to where you want to get to than the whole mud-against-the-wall asset-collecting process, let alone the Philadelphia 76ers method, if you even want to call it that, if you want to even call it a method, because I actually ref- almost refuse to do so, because there is no thought process behind that whatsoever. But I would have liked to have seen management decongest the roster, if that's even a word, rather than recongested. Again, if that's even a word, I know actually one of our listeners at schematic247 share with me on Twitter a petition for Danny Ainge to acquire a true center. He doesn't want any more stretch fours or all these tweener players. We posted the link to our Twitter account at Celtics underscore beat. Now I must confess, I did not sign at schematic247's petition as, listen, hey, I think I, Danny Ainge, and everyone else would love for the Celtics to have a Robert Parrish 2.0. Or let alone like uh, Bill Russell, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Shaq all rolled into one. I mean, those just they this, those are few and far in between. There's obviously a surplus in this league of stretch fours. There's a surplus in this league of combo guards, and there's definitely not a surplus of uh, defensive-minded and skilled big men. We would all love to see that, but as I mentioned, they don't grow on trees. So I certainly am not let down one iota that Danny Ainge couldn't make that happen this summer. But I do not like how the organization is glutting up the roster with all these tweener power forwards who all possess certain glaring deficiencies in their games despite some other of their talents. In turn, that just creates situations where many players won't work together, etc., etc. You know the deal. It's a big mess. And it's sort of like, ah, oh, Brad, you figure out. I think it stinks. I don't like it. I actually disagree with Mark. I do not think that particular competition within the roster, if you will, is a good thing because it's not healthy competition. You heard Mark bring up the example of the 2008 Celtics. Listen, it's not the 08 Celtics or the 86 Celtics, the Greens versus the Whites in practices. They had these legendary practice battles. Those teams had players with roles, and you had the Green teamers wanting to beat the Whites. You had the Sheesnings and the Wegedbins busting their butts in practice, not to just get better, obviously, and prove themselves, but that natural competitiveness in them came out because they wanted to beat Larry Bird. Guys like James Posey and Eddie House, they wanted to beat Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce in 5-on-5. That was great competition. But those teams had guys with their roles. And this team, it's not there yet. And therefore, it's in their best interest to at least try to get to that point, even if it's not even there. I mean, if you have to do almost create these roles out of thin air. 
it's better than stuffing the roster, in my opinion, with combo guards and tweeners. That is just not a recipe for team unity. It's not a recipe for team success. And I don't think it's a recipe for being able to upgrade the roster one day. And here's why. First off, there's the team competition that I mentioned just a few seconds ago. And that can build team unity all while bringing out the competitive edge and spirit in any particular player or players to get better. This type of competition where everyone is just playing for whatever, I find that unhealthy because you'll have player X starting but constantly looking over his shoulder, constantly playing with fear, fear of making a mistake, fear of screwing up, getting benched. And if he gets benched, oh my goodness, he might lose a spot in the rotation. I might get cut out of the league, I'm going to contract, etc. I, th- I don't like that. I don't think anybody else would either. You'll have everyone playing as if they're walking on eggshells. And to me, that just, I, I don't see that working out. Listen, can it work? Yeah, it, it can. Technically, almost anything. Anything is possible if we were going to use a infamous Celtics uh, you know, phrase. But, but can having a bunch of players playing for jobs work? And yes, the odds are there, but the odds are against that if it will. But secondly, now looking at it in terms of you know, long-term process, in, in this term, enhancing players and their player value. You may, first off, with the way the Celtics are going about this, they're making it as clear as day to everyone out there what they want to do. You want to load the roster up with talented chips, if you will, and hope that there's a taker at the eventual selling point. But if you make it that clear that that's your plan, and we know that is the Celtics' plan, well, everyone else knows. Your potential buyers know, and that right there devalues what you have on your roster. Now, maybe to a minuscule point, it really may be. But there's got to be some deceptiveness to this, in my opinion. We're talking chips. This is a poker game. If we're going to play it as a poker game, in some negotiations, you do need to elevate what you have. And I don't think the organization is doing that by not committing to certain players on the roster. I mean, you can at least fill these guys with a little hot air, a little helium, blow them up a little bit. Just look at how, I mean, we want to use a Boston sports example. Look at how Dan Duquette stuffed the value of Brian Rose and Carl Pavano back in the 90s. Ah, these guys, they're amazing. They're untouchable. They're going to headline the Red Sox starting rotation for the next decade. No, we won't even trade him for Pedro Martinez. Oh, wait, actually, never mind. Yes, we will. We'll take, we'll take Pedro, and you can have these two guys. And hey, it worked out, right? So I, I, I'm not going to lie. I want to see Ainge do that. I mean, I know he must be a very honorable and faithful and honest human being, and I applaud the Celtics organization honesty with their fans. It's impeccable. There is no BS with them. It's one of the reasons why I remain such an avid follower and season ticket holder is because there's a trust there. It's not strictly a black and white business with their customers as it is with, geez, just about every other entity, corporation, or whatever in America in this country, sadly. I have so much respect for the Celtics for that, and I know many other Celtics fans do. But, but, for the love of God, Danny, get a little Patriots in you. I mean, really, put on a poker face, spread some BS, spread some fluff, and you're you're just not going to do that by making the roster situation the way it is. And I think it has the potential, and I didn't say it will. I say it has the potential to devalue certain players in trades because, A, everyone sees what you're doing. Everyone knows the Celtics' plan of building up a war chest and to use Mark D'Amico's phrase, striking when the iron is hot. And, B, it makes the current group of Celtics worse as a team. And when you're worse as a team, the value of individuals is lower from a concrete standpoint. And from an abstract standpoint, that team winning that team culture that every organization is after, it really can't get to a good point as well. 
So what I just said, it is a continuation of what I said on last week's show, especially really in my in my reaction to the Perry Jones trade, which I have to admit, it had some great, great discussion with us over the course of the week this past week. Some of you I tried to get back to the best I could. Busy, busy week for me on the golf course, if that's at all possible, but it was. But some great arguments against my beliefs. And I'll say this, for me regarding Perry Jones, it's more of a case where it ties back to that he's just another body and personality that has to be appeased rather than someone who could be appeased to this puzzle. Someone who comes here already with a role who fills a weakness, like picking up Isaiah Thomas at the trade deadline. That was just clearly it was a need, and he was someone who you knew would help, and he did help. To me, Jones just doesn't do anything but add to a congested roster, and the odds are slim for him to stand out. And for me, for someone who values team chemistry, for someone who values team building more than asset accumulation, I have to remain consistent to what I say. I have to remain consistent to my beliefs, and that's why I was so down on trading for the guy. But I like what Aaron from our Facebook group said, who took the time to not only listen to the show, but to put together a well-thought-out post on a few things. He made many points, basically, well, Basically, well, I'm wrong, but one of his points was how my gripe about last year about how there were no real set roles or set rotation on the team at the beginning of last season. That was really a detriment to the success or lack of of success that the Celtics had early on. And I thought that once things opened up a bit in January, that team it was finally able to come together, and that was able to allow some players to grow. And, of course, obviously, the team did much better, and we, as fans, I think, enjoy the season much more than we would have had it continued as it had done so in November and December. But Aaron's point was, and I agree with him to an extent on, is that it basically the two guys that were traded, we know who they were, they weren't very good when they were here in Boston in November and December, and better players stepped in and did their jobs better. He's completely right there, and I just firmly believe, and I'm stubborn with this, that the spirit of the team was elevated when the right people came in and the right people were also put in the right situations. Will that happen this year? Hopefully. The thing is, hopefully, I would have assumed that it definitely would have because it would have been a continuation off of last season. But once again, I think with this competition thing that we think is great, it now goes back to being a little bit up in the air. So, But anyways, really good stuff from Aaron over on Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. And I read a nice piece, I think it was on Real GM about a week ago, and it used Perry Jones as an example of those looking for a second shot in the NBA. And it's interesting because in the NBA, I mean, that's pretty much it. You get one or two chances and poof, they'll just discard you and they'll move on to the next young player that they can try out. And I harken back to something that Michael Smith once told me, who of course we actually had on last week's show, when he was telling me a story when he was cut by the Celtics during the training camp of 91 and 92, his agent advised against him from signing with the Chicago Bulls, who, as we know, ended up winning the championship that season. Why? Because the Bulls told them that he's only coming in to just fill a roster spot until Bill Cartwright returned from injury. And once Bill Cartwright come back, they would just cut him and that's it. So his agent said, listen, you just can't, you can't do it because if you were cut within a couple months span... Doesn't matter if it's just two teams. Doesn't matter if you win in the league two or three years. Being cut twice in a few months is almost just like a death sentence for an NBA player. So we had to take a bad deal. He went over to Europe, and that was pretty much the end of the Michael Smith. And I reminisced about that as I read that piece on Real GM 
where even if a guy has some skill, has some game, and I know there's been a YouTube clip going around, people are sending it to me of Perry Jones having a big game against the Clippers last year, looking great and doing some great things, showing that he can play. And yes, that I acknowledge he has skill, but so many other players in the past have had that type of talent. And if you don't capitalize on an opportunity early, and yes, it's what, one opportunity there in Oklahoma City, now he has another chance in Boston, I mean, that could be pretty much it for Perry Jones, even though he is, I mean, as bizarre as it sounds, a second team at 24 years old. But the NBA is not like baseball, where so many guys, particularly pitchers, they can have renaissances later in their career. They can convert to relievers or whatever. But the NBA, it's a young man's game. If you don't do something almost right away, or at least in your first few years in the league, you are done. Other teams, they'll start giving shots to the neck that next young guy. And then it becomes just so easy to get discouraged and, you know, you start working out less. Your body, as it gets closer to 30, you start losing more athleticism, which is a big benefit of what you have. It, your body, when it gets closer to 30, isn't that well-oiled machine it used to be in the early 20s. You need more intelligent exercise and dieting, which you don't need when you're 19, 20, 21. And it's easy to just fade away. Perry Jones, he could be the latest case study to this. I just hope for his sake, he knows that this is I mean, pretty much it for him. He has to really do something here in Boston or he could just wash away. So I hope, just hope for his sake, he has that same sense of urgency because he will need it, of course, from the Celtics standpoint, knowing that they could use any contributions from anyone on a nightly basis, but from his standpoint as well. So I will say this, the Celtics, at least early they will be interesting. There's a lot of storylines to follow. I hope they're good. I truly hope they do continue off last year and play ridiculously hard night in and night out and win games by outworking teams and having that and becoming an identity for this team, for the franchise to have. But this edition of the Boston Celtics will not lack intrigue. There are all sorts of storylines throughout this roster. And is that sort of my way to inject some positivity and some positive light into this? Well, I, I admit, possibly, heck, I have to admit, I am a little downtrodden from the whole themes uh, of the shows the past two to three weeks now, where it is a little darker than I like. I personally, I was on such a high coming off of last year, but even during the second half of last year, because I was convinced it looked like they had turned the corner as an organization during the process and had done so earlier than had originally been predicted, because usually it's much harder to come together and to buy into playing as a collective until... You actually have star players, and until you actually are consistently winning. So I actually hate being this negative, but it was clear that much of it was done with coaching last year, and a lot of people, as they should, will point to Brad Stevens as a miracle worker. They're doing so here with Perry Jones. I'll let you know Stevens figure it out, and all these personalities, you know, all 16 guys with only 15 spots on the roster, and we know he's capable of that. Obviously, we saw that firsthand last year, and that's one thing that I will completely buy is Brad Stevens in his whole aura, if you will. But another example actually just came out this week. Jared Dudley on an ESPN podcast stated how he's talked to players in and around the league, you know, former teammates, his teammate Jared Bayless out in Milwaukee, about how well Stevens can connect with his players even in the worst of situations. As Bayless himself was on that Celtics team back in 2014, which it felt like you could count the amount of times on one hand when the team got a win after the turn to the new year. So a lot of people are pointing to, be it with Perry Jones or whomever who was here as, ah, you know, Stevens will coach him up. Or, ah, Stevens will figure it out. And I actually, listen, 
If there's any guy to do that in this league, and I think this is not Hyrapole either. It really is him. But I also think it's a bit unfair to Brad Stevens himself. And I remember talking to Rich Gotham for a piece last year, around the end of January, how he even admitted how hard it must be for Stevens to play the balancing act with all sorts of egos and personalities. So I actually think it's a little unfair to put that honest on him, again, when he could be exerting that energy elsewhere, which is what I thought he was able to do in February, March, and April of last year. Still got a lot of time to dissect this before Everything transpires during the season, let alone training camp. And while I'm not counting on any more roster moves before training camp, I guess there is still time to see what the Celtics do in these next few weeks. But no more time to talk about the Celtics as we now have got to jump to around the NBA in five, which, as we all know, brought to you by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Like consumers should know where their food comes from and the standards that should be adhered to. And American Farmers Network's meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. Their production standards go above and beyond even USDA regulations, and all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass-fed. From poultry to pork and, of course, beef, AFN's family ranchers are committed to providing you and your family with the healthiest, most nutritious meat so you can live the healthy lifestyle in which you have a right to. So what are you waiting for? Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and eat and live healthy today. Okay, so this is getting into the doldrum period of the NBA. No kidding. We are now in the doldrums. In fact, Really, only this Celtics talk and possibilities regarding the team is keeping the NBA going, at least in the wire-wise, because I'm scanning the wire here, and oh my goodness, did things dry up quickly. Some small news. Chris Copeland, he who got stabbed in a nightclub last year off in Milwaukee. He's going to the Bucks. Pablo Pigioni to the Clippers. Captain Steven Jackson has retired, and the Pacers picked up some guy named King Christmas off of Cleveland, which will help the Cavs' salary situation. But last week, I brought up Ty Lawson on the show. Just after his arrest, I said, listen, a drinking problem is a personality problem. It's most importantly, it's not a talent problem. But first off, I think the media is blowing this entirely out of proportion. You know, painting Lawson like he's some fallover drunk because it's a soap opera story. And unfortunately, the masses relish these soap opera stories. And in turn, people's jobs become a lot easier as they get these types of stories. But listen, I said on last week's show, and I'll say it in this week's, whoever does trade for him is going to be getting one of the most consistent point guards in the NBA, one of the best team players in the league, one of the hardest working, best chemistry guys. And in doing so, they'd be acquiring such a player, one of those players who single-handedly elevates the talent level on the team and the current talent around is one of those players makes others better acquiring said player at a bargain basement price sure enough this past week the houston rockets went out and traded a couple of guys named fred for the north carolina product well more accurately a lottery protected first round pick nick johnson no not the former yankees first baseman pablo prigioni who has already been released joey dorsey and and caught costas papa nicolau i got it right Yes, that's it for an um, upper echelon, borderline all-star starting point guard who's still just 27 years of age. Uh, Younger than me, the horror. Anyways, Houston, a team that Boston has been replicating the most during their rebuilding phase, has done what they have done over the past three or so years, but it still hasn't been enough. Clearly not enough. Yes, they made the Western Conference Finals last year, but let's be real. It was with smoke and mirrors, and even so, look how far off they were from Golden State. Not even close. So to get to better, to where, you know, these opportunities that almost never come around for teams. And credit to Dalamori, he capitalized when it was there, improving that team drastically, all for the price of nothing more than a dozen donuts. It was really a great necessary move because as good as the West's been, Lord knows we know it got infinitely better with what San Antonio has done and what the Clippers have done, the Warriors being the Warriors, Oklahoma City, God forbid, maybe being healthy this coming year. 
Great move by Houston. Can't give them enough credit. I love it for them. And we talked about an interesting Celtics season with a lot of storylines while the NBA's Western Conference is that tenfold. Stay tuned as that is it for Around the NBA in 5. Again, sponsored by my friends over at American Farmers Network. I'm telling you, first off, their meats are absolutely the most delicious possible food we can consume as humans. And I say this every week, but I cannot say this enough. Not only will you eat right, eat healthy, and actually enjoy your meals, you'll be supporting small family farmers, not those evil food companies. So please order up. They ship the freshest, tastiest, healthiest, humanely raised meat possible right to your door. That's AmericanFarmersNetwork.com, AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. So eat up and enjoy the food, just like I hope you enjoyed this show as another edition of Celtics Beat is in the books. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Hyde 209, Ostravex, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. Also, check us out on Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Love to thank our guest, Mark D'Amico of the Celtics, as well as our sponsors, Linda, Audible, Casper, Dr. Ron's, DraftKings, and of course, American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Chelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, exclusively on CLNS Radio. This is Larry H. Russell back here again, and let me tell you a little something about me. I'm always reading a book, or three, be it a revolutionary breakthrough on neuroscience, such as Daniel Kamen's Thinking Fast and Slow, or even a philosophical masterpiece like Plato's The Republic. I'm always doing whatever means to soak up as much knowledge as I can about the world we live in. And we can't do that without literature. But not everyone finds it convenient to carry around all six volumes of the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire with them. But there's a solution. My good friends over at Audible. Audible is a leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. You don't need to be all alone creating that impossible private time with our everyday lives of chaos to do some reading and relaxing. Audiobooks are great to listen to wherever. And Celtics Beat and Audible are teaming up to offer you your first audiobook for free. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics.